Hi all, you're listening to Culture Shocked with Dr. Emer Nolan. Hello all and welcome to this episode of Culture Shocked. Um, today I'm joined by Owen Kieran and he has come on to talk to us about his experience of Culture Shock and indeed working globally across cultures. Before we get started, Owen, I just wanted to say thank you very much for taking the time to come on and talk to us today. Um, could you just give us a background um, about your cell phone and your current role? Okay. Hey, Emer. Um, first off, I'd like to say thanks for the invite. I very much appreciated. Um, so my name is Owen Kieran. I work for a US, US-based company. We design, manufacture, and we install high-capacity, long-distance long subsea fiber optic cable systems. So we, we would typically, we would design and manufacture and install cables, let's say transatlantic, transpacific, interasia. So, you know, you're talking thousands of kilometers. Everywhere. Um, everywhere <laughs> yeah. and across the globe. So we, we've installed, um, I think it's over half a million kilometers of subsea cable systems um, over since about the 1980s when fiber really, really took over. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's what we do. Um, my position, I'm the manager of the, the global permit and regulatory department. So what we do is, given that we, we operate um, globally, we secure approvals to install, operate and maintain these fibre optic cable systems. Okay. So we would have a lot of interaction with um, jurisdictional governments. Um, yeah. So the high level government to get initial approval for a system to land into a country, then we would go down into the government agencies. And then even after that, you're into more local agencies as well. And oh, wow. yeah. yeah, so we do, we cover the whole gamut. And then also <laughs> we have this other side, which is our customers. So mm-hmm. we call them purchasers or we term them as purchasers, but very often they are formed, they're consortium. They're formed of a number of different telecoms operators. So across any single cable system, you could have, you might have one owner, you could have 15 owners, and those 15 owners could be from geographically diverse areas. So as you can imagine, it makes for an interesting work week. Yeah, you're truly working in a global environment um, and spanning across all cultures, as you said. Owen, can you think of, um, this may be difficult to draw your mind back, so you can take a second. Can you think of kind of your first cross-cultural interaction where you kind of thought, oh, wait, these people that I'm dealing with think differently to me um, and what that felt like? Um, Good question. So... um trying to think back so before I started in my current position mm-hmm. um, of all things I was a marine archaeologist okay so I studied archaeology and history in college and then I went off and did archaeology and then combined marine archaeology and then I did environmental science I did a master's up in Northern Ireland and then I started working on a kind of a on a global sense where we would work with um, let's say nation states uh, working with different governments I worked out in the Arabian Gulf for a number of years I worked for the United Nations, um, FAO, Food and Agriculture Organization, and also research bodies. So from an early, relatively early age, I was kind of exposed to different cultures. Um, I do remember the Arabian Gulf being a little bit of a culture shock to me of, whoa, Mm -hmm. this is very different to to how we normally operate. Um, To get anything done there, you would 
go into the government um, agent's office and you'd sit down and have tea. Okay. And you would talk about everything but what you were, what you actually wanted to talk about. Yeah. And you could be there for an hour, could be there for an hour and a half, could be there for two hours, just talking about stuff. And then for the last five minutes, they would say, well, what do you want? And you'd say <laughs> what you want. And then they'd go, yes, okay. <laughs> and sign the paper and off you go. So that was one. And then um, I have some other, some, some, some very, very kind of, stark moments where it was just like flashing lights of you obviously do not know what you're doing here and (laughs) you you came in here so unprepared that it's it's crazy and some of that I kind of feel was could be partially my fault for not um for not kind of preparing well enough Mm -hmm. but others I just didn't realize yeah yeah and it's the point it's the important like a lot of people you know, I always give this analogy of, you know, a fish in 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 a fishbowl um, and we're all fine when we're interacting in our own environments or or similar environments. And it's really only when we go out of our comfort zone that, you know, especially then when there's high stakes involved on top of that, that when you realize how I'm actually approaching this meeting or even how I'm I'm talking to these people um, can be taken up or perceived completely wrong. Um, do you have any examples? You said you had loads of examples there. Now you've got oh, me really gosh. curious yeah. as to, uh, you know, give us some let let us know some of them where you thought oh gosh i you know i could have went to bed that differently okay so really classic example is um you know it, it it's the stereotypical thing japanese culture japanese mm-hmm. culture irish culture two culturally diverse cultures so i was over in singapore and mm-hmm. um i also i have my you know my my permitting role that we do i manage the permit team but i also support our sales team Mm. Um, and the reason that happens is because because I manage the permit team, I understand in almost every region that we work in what the pitfalls are and what the difficulties are with securing permits for our vessels to operate, mm. for our for our ability to install cables. And that influences project timelines as well. It's super important okay. for that. So we've got that high level view and then sales, they kind of they leverage that because we have lots of recent relevant knowledge. So they get me to come in and give presentations on the permitting process for any new project. So I was over in Singapore and it was for a very large cable system, uh, multi, multi million dollars. And I was giving my normal talk. And as an Irish person, I would kind of talk relatively fast. And um, there were a number of, of Asians there and there was a number of Japanese. And I was like talking away. And after each segment, I would say, does anybody have any questions? Mm. And typically I would leave that, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds. Which feels like an eternity to an Irish person. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. And I would I would leave that there and then I just move on. And at the end of the presentation, then I went and said, "Okay, does anybody have any questions? Final sum up and radio silence. Mm-hmm. absolutely nothing and I was going oh my god what have I done here have <laughs> I offended these people um, why does nobody have any questions because normally people do have one or two questions yeah, yeah. nothing and I sat there feeling really awkward and like I was looking to one of the, the sales managers like what have I done wrong and then finally after about a minute the questions start coming yeah. and 
I didn't realize at the time, but that's the way the Japanese will work. They will take time, they will stop, they will disseminate, and then they will ask the question. And it was only after then I kind of went, okay. And that then forces you to stop and reassess your, the way you operate. And so then when they ask you a question, typical Irish person, your automatic reaction is to react straight away and answer yes. it straight away. But then you have to stop and go, oh, okay, no, that's not the right thing to do. So I'll stop as well. And I'll <laughs> think yeah. about this for a minute as well and react and, you know, answer the question. That, that was a really, really, really obvious one for me. Yeah, and that would that I can imagine how terrifying that would be when you're sitting there and you're not aware that they're actually contemplating and they're working through it. And also it's a sign of respect as well to leave a certain um, gap. But unfortunately for Irish people, um, if someone does silence to us, they'll literally we'll tell them everything because we feel the need to fill yeah. the silence so desperately because we are uncomfortable that it can actually work against us as well, especially in negotiating. Um, you know, if you're not aware that that silence is there and you feel the need to fill it, you can start saying a lot that you shouldn't be saying yeah, in order yeah. to get over that uncomfortableness. Yeah. And I, I, that's so true. Um, the whole negotiation side as well, the just being comfortable with saying nothing, hugely yeah. important, especially when you're dealing with certain cultures and then other cultures, you get stuff like, um, the classic example, I think we may have discussed it previously. Mm. Um, I worked on a project with Dutch and English people. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that was another total eye opener where you have the Dutch, you go into the meeting and you would want to, you know, we were looking to get permission to land cables and the Dutch go, no, you absolutely cannot, can't land a cable in, in Holland yeah. and, uh, or in the Netherlands. And uh, the English going, what? <laughs> and they just couldn't understand it. And really, that was just the, 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 the Dutch way of starting the negotiation. Hmm. And the British going, oh, no, this, doesn't, <laughs> this isn't going well. And at the end, you know, you have your one hour, two hour um, meeting with them. And at the end, you do form some, sort, some form of consensus. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, when I look back and I look back at how ill-prepared we were. Mm. That if at the start of the project we had known that that was their negotiation style, it would have made life so much easier for everybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hugely. Exactly. And can I draw you back to one of the, the things you mentioned there was, um, you know, the importance of building relationships in certain cultures as opposed to, so, you know, if you're coming from the, the US, you know, a very task-orientated culture, time is money, uh, in, you know, get the job done, out. Um, and then you go, for example, um, to Japan, as you were brought up there, um, and they're very relationship orientated. Um, and I guess the key is always to when you're coming from a task orientated culture is not to get frustrated or or kind of try to push the task too much with those relationship orientated cultures. Can you give an example of your experience of what the relationship orientated rituals, what goes on for them um, when they're trying to build that relationship? relationship with you okay yeah so um it's a it's a it's a really interesting dynamic because obviously american-based company mm. they're very task orientated yeah. so when you go to upper management and you say you know what at the start of a project we should have cultural intelligence training mm. they're looking at you like you got four heads like what are you talking about 
they sometimes they just don't understand. It's like it's anathema to them. Like they're just like, what what's the benefit of this? If you do and get get some kind of understanding of the cultures, it just makes life so much easier. Mm. So um, there's there's lots of examples of it. So let's say in 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 our my role in my job, there, there's lots of of interaction between lots of different parties. A lot of it is, would you believe, negotiation. So yeah, it's yeah. Um, you're explaining that if there's a delay in something, why there's a delay. Um, you're trying to understand who's partially to blame for it. You're trying to do it in a nice way that you're not offending people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much, there's so many little nuances to it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the it's having the personal relationship with those relationship orientated cultures that makes things so much easier. Like we've so many examples of Asians where, where some of them, they, they will say, we know there's an issue coming up. And like, let's say on most systems that we would be working on, you have a thing called a client coordination meeting. You might have one in person every two months. Mm-hmm. And that's where everything is brought up. The entire process of the, progress of the project and everything and people can ask questions and they discuss things but particularly with the Japanese if there's an issue and if there's an issue before that's arised or arisen before the CCM they will like you to go and negotiate with them before so when you come into the CCM you're able to say well you know we had this issue but it's sorted or if there is an issue that's not resolved don't bring it up don't highlight it too much yeah so we do that, um, and then there's it's 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 even also the side of the recognition of with each different culture, who what sort of relationship you should have. So let's say there's let's say Indonesian or Indian and stuff like that, where there's there's a very hierarchical structure. So mm-hmm. you know that you the first thing you do is you go to the head person, yeah. the the elder or the, the highest up, and you talk with them and then you can filter down and stuff. And it, it's, it's understanding that, 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 in it, that gives you the tools and it allows you and enables you to make progress on projects. Where okay. otherwise, if you go too low and you go down to a, a person who's, who is a lower level, you want to get something done, they can't really help you. You need to go higher up to, to get, yeah, to, for, for things to work, yeah. Yeah, because you could waste your time, right? You could spend exactly. an awful lot of time trying to and then realize it's actually going nowhere. It, it's staying yeah. with a lower level manager. Exactly. And I'm very curious because you work th- over so many cultures. Um, you're Irish um, and you work for an American company. So how does your Irish culture play into? I mean, so Irish people are, you know, um, we love sarcasm. We love humor. Um, and all of, you know, all of the things that goes with, I guess, being identified as Irish. Um, how does how does it work for you? Do you do you feel like it, you know, being um, obviously in some meetings you can't bring in humour. It, it won't work. Other cultures, <laughs> yeah. it can bring in humour. But what, what is it like to work like because you're like a true global worker? Um, what is it like? Um, yeah, so another good question. Um, Sometimes I feel a little bit like a chameleon, you know that sort of way, where <laughs> yeah. you have you you change your the you change your your not quite your personality, but you change your your tact and your mode depending on where you are, yeah. and then to be to be conscious of that is is really 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 important, and so, and I even see it with my team. Like my team, we have 
Singapore, we've got Kuala Lumpur, we've Oman, we've got UAE, Spain, UK, Ireland, West Coast US, East Coast US. We're all over and South America. So even dealing with the specific people that I work with, so you kind of, you understand what they're, what they're, what they're like, what their cultures are and stuff, and you kind of temper your engagement with them like that. Um, a couple of things I would always do with every um, project and with every let's say every meeting that you go to every ccm so every um consortium meeting that we would have is make sure to go and do the face-to-face -face with everybody so you might walk into a big room with there could be 30 different people there um but if you make the effort to go and almost go and sh try and shake hands with each and every not necessarily shake hands but but just touch base with each and every single one of them um hugely important and even have one or two words, I've kind of like, almost like the queen, have one yeah. or two words for them. Um, sorry, yeah, not there anymore. Um, but um, yeah, but like have one or two words for, for each of them. And then it's the other thing is spend the time at coffee break to talk to people. So mm -hmm. don't be sitting with your own people yeah. and don't be just talking shop with them. Go and get yourself out there. That's one. And then another one was um, just recently we had a meeting with the um, Eritrea Embassy in okay. um, Paris. It was over, a, a, um, we're looking to install some cables. And I, quite naively, I went up and I said, eh, you know, talking to the ambassador and how are you and everything like that. And, um, and at, we had a good meeting. And at the end of the meeting, I said, by the way, just out of interest, how do the Eritreans find the Irish? And he said, hmm, he said, Eritrea, Eritrea, hmm, he said, Eritrea not very happy with Ireland. And I went, what? Because I had this idea that, you know, yeah, we're generally, you know, we're not polite. very offensive. Yeah, polite yeah, yeah. and uh, inoffensive. And he said, yeah, he said, um, Ireland, Ireland always goes for the side of Ethiopia in anything, yeah, in that region. And so I had to say to him, um, okay. I'm really sorry about that, but um, please don't judge me by the by the you know the actions of our Department of Foreign Affairs. I'm yeah. not like that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, lots of different things. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that that's a brilliant example because you know, and we are we have as a I think as one of the bonuses of being Irish. A lot of the times is we almost assume that no matter where we go, we're accepted quite well. Uh, so it's really interesting then that I suppose in some senses our arrogance can actually then cause us to ask a question where maybe we shouldn't have um, on, on the basis of that. Um, Owen, I could speak to you all day um, about all your examples um, and experiences, but I, I do have one final question and it's a, a two part question. Um, so when it comes to uh, dealing across cultures, you know, what advice would you give to, I guess, number one, new employees going into work and been faced with, you know, a global environment? Um, and also, what advice would you give for managers in general? OK, um, so. So to new employees, I would say, or new people into an industry or something like that, I would say you, I can't overestimate the importance of doing your background research. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be engaging new cultures or if you're going to be working in a new area, absolutely, 100% do your background research. And it's not necessarily about the 
the country because you can learn all about its populations and all about this, but more about the culture. And then mm-hmm. it's also nice always to have one or two nice things to say about the country too. Oh, I yeah. know I hear about this and I hear about that. Just over coffee, right? So it just yeah. ingratiates you in there. So that's one, you know, do your background research and it will, it will, it'll, it will prove worthy. You will yeah. see that. Absolutely. Um, managers, um, the whole thing about managers, managers should be leading from the top down. They should be setting the example. Mm-hmm. So if you are going into a new project or uh, looking to expand into a new area, the manager is the one who should be leading. They're supposed to be setting example. So mm-hmm. they're supposed to be the one who is doing everything right, doing the background, showing the employees how to do things. So that they might do things. They're, and they're great final pieces um, of of information for people. Um, thank you very, very much, Owen. I have, um, and for the listeners, um, I have included Owen's uh, LinkedIn address um, to the podcast. So um, I'm sure you might get some people connecting with you, Owen. Um, but thank you very, very much for your time. Um, you know, even just in that 20 minute chat, you've given us so much information. Uh, so thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you again, Emer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Culture Shocked. Stay tuned, I'll be back with more. And in the meantime, make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn.